Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here and I gave a message on Sunday morning, August 21st, 2022 from the Gospel of John in chapter 6. However, we didn't get it recorded. So I went into the studio and re-recorded it into a mic. I have it for you here. A little different vibe, but hopefully it works out for you. Again, John chapter 6 from this past Sunday, August 21st, 2022. So I did two things in the past month that had a big impact on me and had a big impact on what I'm thinking about, what I'm caring about, and what I'd like to talk with you about over these next weeks this fall. One is that I read, again, the Gospel of John, and I read it after having read the other three Gospels. The New Testament starts out with four accounts of the life of Jesus, of his words, his teachings, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. They're written from four different perspectives by four different people. And what you would find is if you just read all four of them in a row, you would find that the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are in a lot of ways very similar. They have a lot of stories in common. They have a lot of teachings in common. They have a lot of miracles in common. And then if you read all three of those and then you got to the Gospel of John, you would just be like, whoa, this is a totally different thing. John is kind of an odd bird. Stylistically, in organization, in the stories that he tells, it's just a different kind of book. Like, for instance, here's a couple things about the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John has no parables of Jesus. Like, Jesus does not teach in a parable at all in the entire book. In the Gospel of John, Jesus never kicks an evil spirit out of a person at all. One of the big questions that people have when they read the Gospels is, why is it that sometimes Jesus does something really cool, and then he tells people, don't tell anybody that this happened? It's a big question you get, especially if you do a lot of youth ministry, as I've done over a lot of years. Well, in the Gospel of John, that doesn't happen at all. Jesus is very bold and out front about who he is. The whole book starts with John telling us God put on flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. People call Jesus the Son of God and the Messiah several times in the opening chapters of the book. It's just all right out there. There's a lot of things that are different about the Gospel of John. It's just firing my imagination up. The other thing that I did in this past month that's got me thinking a lot is that I traveled internationally. Now, when you travel, there's certain things you got to do, especially if you do air travel, you got to go through security checkpoints and all that kind of stuff. Right now, these days, if you travel internationally, You have to have your ID in hand, specifically your passport in hand, like all the time. I traveled to Spain with our eldest daughter, Anna, and at every little security checkpoint, you know, we would show our passports. And then as soon as we were done with it, I would tell Anna, okay, hand me your passport because I want to make sure that we don't lose these things. I'm going to put them in a specific place, super secret place in my bag. And make sure that they don't get lost. And then five seconds later, we'd round a corner and they would say, pasaportes. And we'd have to dig out the passports and show them again. And it was like, every time I thought we had done it enough, we had been through enough security, enough checkpoints, somebody would say, pasaportes. And I'd get those things back out. And it was like, 
a constant, just a constant barrage of, are you who you say you are? If I'm going to let you on this plane, if I'm going to let you through this gate, if I'm going to let you into this country, then over and over and over again, you got to show me your credentials. I need to see the photo ID. I need to see your passport. So what do those two things have to do with each other? Well, the gospel of John, as I said, is different. One of the things that's really cool about it is near the end of the book, John tells you exactly why he wrote the book. He says at the right before the end, the beginning of the last chapter, he says, look, Jesus did a ton of things that I did not include in this book. The things that I've decided to include, like John only has seven miracles of Jesus. He, he, you know, he, he, like I said, he doesn't have the parables, that kind of stuff. John says, the things that I've included, I've included for one specific reason, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you would have life in his name. In other words, what he's saying is, I want you to follow Jesus, like to throw in your life into Jesus's hands, to believe in him in such a way that you're giving him your whole life. And so what I've done in writing this book is I have put together a kind of identification packet, some credentials so that you can know this is the person I want to entrust my life with. I want you to know that Jesus is who he says he is. And that by believing in him as the Messiah, the son of God, that you could find life in his name. So one of the things that John includes in his book is that there are seven places where Jesus says the words, I am, and then follows that with like a word picture of something true about him, some kind of identification that I can know this is a reason I should entrust my life with Jesus. So this fall, over these next few weeks, we're going to look at the different quote unquote, I am statements of Jesus, Jesus's identification papers, his passport. Why should I trust my life with Jesus? All right. But before we get there, before we check out the very first one, we're going to look at in the gospel of John, I have a question for you to consider. And I hope that when you hear it, you'll take a beat just to think about whether or not this is you, whether or not this is true in your experience. And I hope that we'll all have the courage to be honest about it. Here we go. For people who know and love Jesus, I think the hope is that walking with Jesus, we will have a life that is full of peace and hope and joy, just a life that's overflowing and abundant with peace and hope and joy and all of those good things. And yet I know that for a lot of folks, even though that's where we want to land, and it's what we hope for in following Jesus, that the real is not always the ideal, that there's some distance between the, the real and the ideal. So here's my question. Have you ever felt spiritually blah, just like spiritually lethargic, tired, just kind of spiritually heavy? I guess, or like, like if your spirit was your body, like you're like spiritually, you just feel kind of like bloated, like just, I just feel gross. I know, I know I have, I know I've been through plenty of times and it, and it's not like I'm past them or anything like that, where 
If I were being perfectly honest, I thought about how I was feeling. I just feel kind of spiritually gross, just kind of heavy and blah and tired and lethargic, just kind of bloated. (laughs) And I think an important question for anybody that's experienced that before is, what does that mean? Well, I know for me, if I feel physically that way, like if I feel physically kind of blah and heavy and lethargic, tired, bloated, gassy, you know, all that stuff, the most reasonable question for me to ask myself is this, what have you been eating? What have you been filling yourself with? What is the fuel that is moving your body? Like if you feel gross, if you feel heavy and lethargic and tired and bloated and gassy, all that stuff, an important question is, what are you putting inside yourself to fuel this machine that you're walking around in? For us, this past weekend, last weekend, we, my family and I, and a few other families from our church, we traveled into, um, into Missouri to be a part of a big, beautiful wedding. And it was in the Ozarks on Table Rock Lake at this Young Life camp, just a, just a beautiful place. But what that meant was is that we were in the car driving for like 10, 11 hours, and you had to be at a certain place at a certain time. And when you drive that many hours, and you've got to be at a certain place at a certain time, look, there's no way around it. You're just going to eat a lot of fast food. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Like, all your meals are going to have some component that is just deep fried and covered in salt. And, you know, so it, it's like there's deep fried, there's stuff that's microwaved, there's stuff that maybe ostensibly came out of a tube. I don't know how they make the fast food. And look, I have a love-hate relationship with fast food. Like, to be perfectly honest, sometimes I love the idea of it. I, when you get it through the drive through window, I love the smell of it. I actually love that moment when it hits your mouth and you taste all the, 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 the delicious fried greasiness, saltiness of it. It's just every moment after that is the stuff that I hate. And I know somebody out there is probably like, yeah, well, that's why you get Subway. And look, Subway, no, man. Like, I feel like... In order to not get in trouble with the Better Business Bureau, they have to put all their marketing in air quotes, you know, and you can kind of feel the air quotes coming. It's like uh, the person who makes your food is a sandwich artist, you know, and they daily they bake bread and, you know, at Subway you eat fresh. It's like, come on, man, this is not this is not the kind of food that's going to make you feel good. And when you have a situation where you have a lot of fast food in a row, you're just going to feel gross. What am I putting inside my body that's make me feel heavy and lethargic and tired and gross? When Anna and I were on our way back to the States from, from Spain, we were on this flight from Barcelona to Philadelphia and we're about halfway through the flight and the voice of the flight attendant, he comes on over the intercom and says, about an hour before we land in Philadelphia, we're going to give you a little light lunch. It's going to be a gourmet margarita folded pizza. And at the time I was feeling a little hungry and I was like, hmm, that sounds good. Like a gourmet margarita folded pizza. And Anna beside me was like, Daddy, don't let that thing fool you. That is that is not what it sounds like. And I was like, what do you mean? It sounds really good. And she said, that is a Hot Pocket. That's what that is. That's a Hot Pocket. There's no way around it. They have boxed up a Hot Pocket and they changed the name. And sure enough, 
the guy sitting beside us decided to go with it and order it, and it was a hot pocket, y'all. I mean, there's no way around it, and so we all know, you know, his final destination in Philadelphia was the bathroom. But when I'm feeling that way, heavy and lethargic and tired and gross, I got to look at what I'm fueling myself with. What did I think this experience was going to be versus what it is? I thought it was going to be good. It's made me feel gross. Okay, so let's translate that to the spiritual life. Let's translate that to the way that we feel. What is it that I'm putting into my experiences, into my heart and into my mind? I thought it was going to be delicious. I thought it was going to be awesome, but I feel gross or I feel heavy and lethargic. I feel spiritually blah. And look, there could be so many things that people fill themselves with or go after or pursue because they think it's going to be one experience and it winds up being another. I'll just kind of put myself out here. These are some things that I've experienced. But I know that one thing that seems really appealing to me, just like fast food, like, oh man, this is going to be so delicious until I experience it, is the idea that I want things to go my way. I want my day, my experiences, my friends, my, my kids, my circumstances. I want them to go a certain way. And I am pursuing it to be in my control, to land the way I want it to land. I want my way. And if I got my way, then I would be so happy and so satisfied and so fulfilled. And I think that even though in so many ways and so many experiences, it's not gone that way. And I'd love to invite you to think about yourself. How many times did you try to control the situation so that everything worked out the way you thought you wanted it to go, the way you wanted your story to be written? And it wasn't what you were hoping for. I know for me, one thing that I always think it's going to be delicious, I always think it's going to be awesome and it's going to make me feel so good is I want people to like me. It feels kind of weird to, to say it so out front, to be so plain with it. Um, it feels a little embarrassing to say it outright like that, but I guess I could dress it up and say, I am looking for the approval of others, for the attention of others. I want people to think that I'm awesome. I, but it's this. I just want, I want people to like me. I want people to think I'm cool. I want their likes. I want things to go my way, and I want to get my likes. I want people to mash the heart button on my life. And I think that's going to make me feel good, and... For a second, it does. It's like fast food. It's like it's delicious at first. It smells good. It tastes good. And then I feel empty again. And I wonder if you've experienced that. Where it's like, at first it feels great. It seems awesome. It seems like it's working. And then you feel empty again. I want my way. I want my likes. Another thing that has always seemed appealing to me and has never worked out in the end is just fill in the blank. If I had this, everything would be okay. If I had this relationship, 
if I had this job, if I got this raise, if we had this kind of house, or if we had these kinds of decorations, if I just had this, then I would be happy and satisfied and fulfilled. And what I'd love for you to think about is, how would you fill in that blank? I mean, for some people, it's just like, if I had this kind of car, if I had this kind of financial security, if I had this kind of situation, then I would be okay. What would yours be? What is the stuff that you would put in that blank that you think is going to work to fill you up? I want my way. I want my likes. And I want my stuff. And if I just had my way, if I just had more likes, if I just had my stuff, this stuff, then I would be okay. And I always get fooled, like I get fooled with fast food, that that is going to fill up my spirit. It's going to make me feel amazing. And it never does. And a really important question is, if in my spirit I'm feeling heavy and lethargic, if I'm feeling tired, and if I'm feeling just kind of gross and blah, am I eating the wrong thing? Am I putting the wrong thing in my heart and mind, in my spirit? All right, so I want to show you what Jesus said in John chapter 6. This, um, this first of the, these statements about who he is that John wants to lay out for us. This is... In John chapter 6, it's right after Jesus does one of his miracles, which John calls signs, and it's the one miracle that's in all four of the gospel presentations. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all included this story, which is when Jesus fed thousands of people with like a kid's like sack lunch. He multiplied food for thousands and thousands of people. Everybody ate till they were satisfied. There was leftovers. John tells us a detail that not everybody gives, which is that the people immediately tried to make Jesus their king. So Jesus has to handle this crowd. So he takes his disciples. He sticks them in a boat. He kicks them out into the water. He says, you go to the other side. He talks to the crowd for a little while. The sun goes down. And then in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, Jesus actually walks on the water then joins the guys in the boat. They get to the other side. And then in the morning, we find that the crowd realizes that Jesus has somehow gotten to the other side of the lake. And so they get in their boats and then you have like the Vol Navy, like coming across the water. So they find Jesus on the other side. This is John chapter six, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, a quick pause. This 
is where they're referencing this old story of when the uh, God's people were slaves in Egypt for 400, over 400 years, and God broke them out of slavery using Moses and working all these miracles, and they, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before entering the promised land, and God gave them miracle bread from heaven every single day to eat for 40 years. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay, after this, they have some back and forth about the fact that some of them are like, wait, are you saying you came down from heaven? Some of us know your parents. We saw you grow up. Like, what is going on? A little bit later, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, this is verse 47. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. For whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Okay, so John wrote this book as a way to say, I didn't include everything from the life of Jesus and from the ministry of Jesus, but the things I've included, they are like his identification papers, his passport. I want you to recognize that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, and I want you to throw your life into his hands. I want you to believe in him in such a way that you find life through his name. Okay, so show me your ID. Like, who are you? And Jesus says, This is why you should believe in me. This is why you should throw your life into my hands. Do you know what it is to be hungry? And I would say, yes. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to hunger for certain things in my life. I hunger for my story to go the way I want it to go. I hunger for affection and for for approval and for attention. I hunger for getting the stuff that I think is going to satisfy and fulfill my life. I know what it is to be hungry. Jesus says, not only do you know what it is to be hungry, do you know what it is to, in your hunger, fill yourself up with something that does not satisfy? To eat the wrong thing and then feel bad off of that. And I would have to say, honestly, yes. I know what it is to be desperately hungry for for my way and for my likes and for my stuff. And I know what it is to fill up on the wrong stuff and to not feel good off of that. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
I'm the food you're looking for. I am the thing that you could fill up on and feel completely different. Okay, what do you mean? Let's look at some of the things Jesus said. Jesus said, don't work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life. All the stuff that I'm chasing, my way, my likes, my stuff, all that stuff spoils. It all ruins. It all screws up. Jesus said, the work of God is to believe in the one he sent, to believe in Jesus. What does that mean? And then he said, I am the bread of life. He said, the bread that comes down from heaven is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Okay, what is happening? What is he talking about? Jesus was referring to the fact that very soon he was going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to die. He was going to lay down his life. He was going to give his life on the cross. His body would be broken. His blood would be spilled. And what he said was, my blood is real drink. My body is my flesh is real food that I will give for the life of the world. Okay. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but have you ever thought about like what happens when you eat food? Like when you eat bread, I don't know if you ever studied this in biology class. When I was in high school, I took biology two AP with Fred Holtzclaw. And he explained to us that when you eat bread, those complex carbohydrates are broken down in the cells of your body like proteins enter the picture and all these enzymes enter the picture. And basically the, those complex carbohydrates are broken down into more simple sugars that go into this thing called the Krebs cycle where uh, an ATP synthase where basically like the, the sugars in the food that you eat are turned into actual energy for your body to make it for your body to have the power that it needs to move and to live for you to talk and to, to pick things up and to hug your friends and to play sports, all those things like your food is actually transformed into real energy. Now, some foods that you eat, are efficient and they get transformed into a lot of energy. And some foods you eat are not efficient and not very nutritious and they do not very efficiently get transformed into energy. And I think that that is super interesting that what Jesus is saying is the bread from heaven is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Talking about his death. Okay. Jesus is saying, I am going to give my life and my blood for you. And that's because you needed to be saved. Your life, your heart, your mind, you were lost. You were going in a broken direction. And the more that you understand that about yourself and the more that you realize and believe I needed to be saved, when you think about the death of Jesus, that Jesus died for me because I needed to be saved. I might think that the thing I want is to control all my situations so that I get my way, so that everything goes well for me. But me getting my way ended in a life where I needed to be saved. And so the thing that I need to think about is not that I need to get my way today but that I needed to be saved, and I was. And when I think about the death of Jesus and that he died for me because I needed to be saved, that is the food that I need to choose and that I need to chew on and that needs to go deep down in my psyche, deep down inside me to give me the energy for today. 
I think that the thing that I need to choose and chew on, the thing that I need that's going to fill me up today is the approval and the affection of others. But the truth is, is that not only did I need to be saved, but that Jesus died for me, not just because I needed it, but because he loves me, because he approves of me, because he has his attention and his affection fixed on me and on you. And if you could see for just one second how much Jesus cares about you, how much he loves you. Psalm 139 says he thinks about me as much as there are grains of sand in the world. That's his thoughts for me outnumber the grains of sand, like his affection for me. If you got an eyedropper, like one drop from an eyedropper full of his affection for you, you would be absolutely blown away by how loved you are. I don't need the approval and the affection of the people around me. And in fact, it never fills me up and it never works. I don't need to get my way. That never fills me up and it never works. It always leaves me hungry and feeling terrible. But when I think about the fact that Jesus gave his life for me because he loves me and because I needed to be saved, that fills me up in a real and a deep way. And I might think that there's something I need, some stuff, something that if I just had that, then I would be full and satisfied. But in the death of Jesus, I have other stuff. I have his stuff. Paul says, everything about Christ is yours. Everything about God is yours in Christ Jesus. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I have his forgiveness. I have his affection. I have a relationship with him. I have a place in heaven forever. I have all of his righteousness. All the stuff I ever need, I have because of the death of Jesus. Jesus died for me. And when I think about that, and when I think about what it means, that fills me up with the affection that I need, the approval I need, the stuff that I need. The, the fact that I don't need my way, I just need him. I have everything I need from that. You know, when you think about what you eat every day, you choose it. Maybe you choose it at the store. Maybe you choose it when you get stuff out of the fridge to make your dinner. Maybe you somebody else cooked food for you and you're choosing it when it's on your plate. But you choose it and then you chew it and then it goes down inside you. So this week... When you think about the thoughts that you think, the thoughts that you choose to dwell on, think about it like food that you choose to eat, that you chew on and that you savor. And I could either choose and chew on and savor the stress and the trouble of trying to get my way and trying to make everything work out the way I want and trying to get everybody's approval and affection, trying to get the stuff that I think is going to make me happy, or I can choose and chew on and take deep down inside myself the fact that Jesus saved me because I needed to be saved, that he saved me, that he died for me because he loves me and he thinks about me and he just cares about me so much. And then as a result of that death, I have everything I need. His body is real bread. His blood given for me is real drink. I need to chew on it and savor it. I was talking to a dietitian this week, somebody that holds a master's degree in nutrition and diets. And they told me all kinds of stuff that blew my mind. She was telling me amazing things about diets and food and everything. But one of the things that she said that really stuck with me was um, the fact that when you trust your body to understand what it needs and you start to eat you know, what you think you want. And then you start to find out what food makes me feel good and what food makes me not feel good. When you start to learn about yourself, you can get to a point where you start to ask this question before you eat anything in the day, which is, how do I want to feel today? 
And I thought, that is amazing. What an amazing question. How do I want to feel today? Before you start your day, think about the death of Jesus as a result of the question, how do I want to feel today? So that I can go into every situation, good or bad. I can go into every conversation, every relationship and think, I don't need this person's approval. I don't need everything to go my way. I don't need all this stuff. Jesus has died for me. His blood was spilled. His body was broken for me. How do I want to feel today? I want to choose and chew on and think about the fact that his life was given for me. And that's really all I need. When I needed rescue out of deep, deep water, When